Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Greg Audino. And in this conversation, we get into the topic of control. We talk about what control is, how much control we actually have. Do we have no control? Do we have full control? Is it somewhere in between? How we can deal with that, how we can have agency over our lives and what effect that has psychologically, emotionally, mentally. And it seems like a pretty fitting episode for the year 2020 in terms of how much control do you have when seemingly things are out of control. And listening back through this conversation myself, I found it clarifying and calming. And I hope that it does the same for you. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Greg Audino. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Greg Audino. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Eric. Very excited to be here. Some people may see your picture and may recognize you (laughs) visually from (laughs) things you've acted in, but now you're doing self-help and productivity falls right in there. You know, all those those categories that everybody talks about, you know, self-help, time management, productivity, health and wellness, you know, every, all of those fall together. So how did you move from one to the other slash are you still acting <laughs> oh man so, so that's a big question there uh yeah i i am still doing some acting um i've i it's sort of been put on the back burner um as i as i've just started to find more fulfillment in this um but yeah i i still have a few more offers to do so i'll go back to la to, to do them when uh when the time is right and we'll see what happens after that but for the but at the moment um i'm putting a lot more time towards my self-development work the transition was a uh was a really interesting one i think it was like um you know, there were really a few steps that sort of led to it. I do think in a way with the pl- the uh, the seed had been planted when I was younger, like before I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be a, uh, a marriage counselor. 
And then I, you know, I, I ended up becoming an actor. That was my, my full-time job for, uh, you know, right out of college. Within the last couple of years, though, it has been a sort of a transition into self-help. I was doing the, them both at the same time. And I think it started back in 2014. I was going through a, uh, a really difficult breakup. And I recall, at, like, at the time, you know, I was really having a difficult time recovering. And I recall in that time frame, I just had a very, I started to appreciate the value of of having somebody that would be, that would listen to me. Um, I mean, I was contacting people for, you know, for help that I knew I could count on, but I think I just reached a point where I felt like I was like a pest or like I'd overstayed my welcome. Like, you know, they don't really want to hear this. So at the time, like, I just felt like I had nowhere to turn. And I just, you know, again, I, I started to I just I just wished I had somebody that I knew would listen to me unconditionally. And realistically, those people were out there. But, you know, me feeling like a burden was kind of my own limitation. But I again, I I got a I got an idea of what value came from something like that, that kind of role. Meanwhile, my, um, you know, as time had gone on, too, I was also I've always sort of like questioned everything I'm doing and been very like reflective on everything. And I think that, you know, with acting like it was taking up so much of my time. But realistically, like I, 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 I wasn't really helping anybody else. Like everything I was doing with acting was really just to serve me. It was never about anybody else. And I sort of took issue with that just because I, I'm like, a, I'm a very fortunate person. You know, I, I just have a lot of blessings in life. So I think, you know, not to sound, uh, not to sound too preachy, but it, it just like, it, it sort of felt like I was taking too much from the universe, if you will to kind of just be receiving everything that life had to had to offer as opposed to giving anything back. So I was like, I was just, again, seeking a role where I could be of assistance to people a little bit more uh, over time. And, and then the election happened in 2016 this is a long story. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm still three years back. Um, the election happened in 2016. And, you know, anytime the election, you know, there's an election, there's, there's just, all of these like real issues in the world come to light. You know, you're the, you know, you're, there's so much discussion about actual problems the world is facing at the deepest level. And those kinds of things, oh, you know, they just always, um, they just always bring back perspective to me, you know, just this thought that there, there are people that are truly struggling out there that really need help. Um, and I felt like, you know, the same was the case for me, obviously not on the same scale of people that are like suffering in real ways, but like, you know, on the out, you know, on the outside, I was just like a happy guy. And I, I knew that I was having my troubles, let alone people who are suffering, you know, like from hunger or like famine or war torn countries. But I was just sort of reintroduced to like how much pain there truly is and how many how many scales it exists on and how many people uh, could be helped in one way or another. And then I think the final straw was uh, the day after my 26th birthday party. Uh, it was a Sunday morning. I was completely hungover and I was browsing through Netflix like you do. And uh, I, I stumbled upon the uh, the Tony Robbins documentary. I am not your guru. And I found the I just found the documentary to be extremely touching. You know, I think a lot of people sort of have like these mixed opinions about Tony Robbins these days. But, uh, you know, however you think about him, I, just the documentary is really powerful and there are so many people that really believe in him and he just touches so many lives. And I, I just, I, it was just very, I, I just found it very special to, to see how many 
I, to just see how much like service this man seems to do with his uh, seems to do in his life. So I uh, I don't know if I said I don't know if that was English, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was sort of the final straw. And then um, a few months later, I, I enrolled in a uh, in a life co- a life coaching course and I got my certification and. Yeah, that was that. The, the site was built. So, yeah, on my, on my website, I create a lot of videos. Um, so, you know, it's sort of and they're, you know, taking uh, taking life's common problems and offering new uh, solutions to them. And so it's sort of a it's a combination of my my passions, if you will, because it's all on camera stuff. So I'm writing and filming and editing and acting and, and acting. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a it's been an interesting evolution, but I, I'm pretty sure that that uh, is is how it happened. The topic of today's conversation, I think, directly uh, connects to some of the, you know, moving away from the acting as well as, you know, and, and again, going back to it a little bit, but also into the, the different role is, you know, obviously you want to make some positive change in the world. But at the yeah. same time, how much change, you know, you. How how much change is possible? How much change are we individually able to do? And, you know, again, the, the theme of the conversation here is control. As far as control goes, you know, we've never officially talked about that topic on this show before. We've touched on it. We've danced around it. We've talked about, you know, ownership and responsibility. But those things are maybe a little bit different than what control is. So like, what's your definition of the word control? I mean, you know, and what, what do you generally believe people in general believe about control? Yeah. uh, Well, we tend to believe that it's a good thing, obviously. I mean, no one ever doesn't want to have control of some kind, even if it's like control that comes with the, with the release of control, which, you know, is only something that's really talked about by like spiritual leaders, you know, so the belief is that we're in trouble if we don't have it, you know, the less control we have, the more risk there is. And though we might not believe it, we act as though we have more than we actually do. The lack of control we actually do have tends to be one of those things that we realize the truth about when things are calm, but you know, in the eye of the storm of, of activities, we just press on as if we do have control. And the more we behave in that way, the more normal it feels. So obviously, yeah, I mean, con- control is something we're constantly trying to maintain. But I do think that this desire for it or I mean, the desire for it is natural, but this constant like pursuit of it and what it can kind of do to us is is where we run into problems, I think. Now, you know, there's there's different definitions of this, like one, you know, one that I think of when I hear the word control is um, self-control, which yeah. is, you know, t- controlling yourself. And, right. you know, how, how how much do you believe controlling ourselves is possible, I guess? I, that's, I mean, it's just such a it's it's it really depends, you know, it really depends on. So many things. I mean, first, like on the on the surface, like, you know, this idea of willpower that people try to have that people try to, you know, enforce is like it's good and it's admirable. But like realistically, you know, your willpower is a lot weaker than having an environment that supports what you want to do. For example, you know what I mean? You're if you want to stop drinking soda, you are much more likely to just not have soda in your house than if you were to just like 
you know, stare at soda every day and just say, like, I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to do it. You know, uh, uh, just the environment will will help you a lot more than like your willpower will. So I I don't know. I mean, well, and, and that's an area right there where, for example, to create that environment would necessitate mm-hmm. having some ability to control what is or isn't in that environment. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very layered question. So, I mean, in that, in that scenario, you could say that just like having the desire to change or the desire to control something is like a form of control in the first place, Mm -hmm. um, because you're taking the step to alter your environment. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an extremely layered thing, but I mean, self-control exists to extremely different degrees and different people. And I mean, a lot of it, of course, is based on our histories and our tendencies and our reactions to things based on our, on our histories and experiences. But unfortunately, uh, genetics also play a humongous part of, of our levels of self-control, even our, our values, beliefs, you know, ability to work hard and stuff like a lot of these things are defined by genetics too. Uh, which only adds to this, you know, this um, a la- this lack of control that I'm sort of alluding to here. So in a way, it is sort of a it's sort of a lottery. Um, obviously, people can can train themselves to have, all, you know, all kinds of feelings in life. Control would be one of them, certain, you know, a degree of self-control. But ultimately, you know, it's my belief that the the result of it, you know, the amount of control that you actually can have uh, is different for everybody based on, you know, a million different invariables. What are some of the ways that, you know, as you've looked at this topic, you've seen people mm-hmm. try to, with varying degrees of success, uh, mm-hmm. assert control? Yeah, well, yeah, every, every decision we re- we make really is an effort for control, you know, and you, and you can't you can't blame us because it's a survival technique. Um, so like there's control over ourselves for one, there's getting the right job, house, whatever, and, and creating plans around them. Those are common examples of exterior control. Uh, interior control, if you will, is also all over the place as we try to develop certain reactions to things maybe in, in spite of what our bodies and minds are telling us. Um, like people with excessive anxiety or, or people who are prone to panic attacks, anyone with trauma really uh, tend to be, you know, I don't want to say guilty of this, but, you know, this this it's easy for these kinds of people to disallow feelings and try to force certain feelings out and fight them um, without realizing that they're there for a reason. So there's that, you know, there's control over reactions to things for sure. Uh, There's control over others, you know, manipulation tactics, using money, using power. And, you know, power is the real word to emphasize here. Control is about power. You know, it's about creating a powerful enough base that other things don't shake us. Yeah, so it's it's about having some sense of control, some some mm-hmm. kind of asserting of our will over mm-hmm. our interior circumstances, our interior, you know, the the life of our mind as well mm-hmm. as our environment and those that we interact in in that environment with. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean unfortunately, you know, the control we try to keep over our minds, that interior control I mentioned is sort of where we double our problems up because, you know, a lot of people just they don't want to feel bad about feeling bad, but they do. You know, if, again, somebody who has anxiety, for example, is, you know, very likely to just get frustrated after a while and say, like, this needs to stop. This is ruining my life. Here it comes again. I can't believe I have this anxiety. And all of a sudden, like this, this, you know, this 
this uh, pain is doubled because you're now not only fighting with the object of your anxiety, but you're fighting with the fact that you have anxiety itself. And it's, um, yeah, so this, you know, the more control we, we try to seek, the more trouble we can often get ourselves into. How do you see people trying to assert control? It almost seems like it's a default action where yeah. people try to assert control without even realizing it. Definitely. Um, I guess that would depend on the consciousness with which we make decisions. Uh, I mean, the more self-aware you are, I guess, the more control you would have. Uh, I, most, most of the times that like otherwise good people elicit bad reactions from others with their behavior, it's, it's because they've tried to maintain control in a way that they didn't they didn't realize was harmful. You know, examples would be like, you know, not not giving loved ones enough breathing space or, or making people's decisions for them based on how your own experiences would have worked. So I would say that most of the time that we get an unexpected negative outcome to something we've done with good intentions are, are times when we've tried to assert control in a way that if not completely unrealized was close to it because the fact that it, because, you know, of the fact that it was probably assessed poorly. But ultimately here, I mean, do you think that trying to assert any control or is it trying to assert too much control? Uh, what is the problem here? In other words, you know, I, I, because I personally, I'm, I'm still trying to grapple with this, obviously. And that's why this discussion yeah. is, is interesting to me. Like I'm always growing up with this idea of, uh, you know, I'm always moving forward with this idea that, I have certain responsibilities. I have certain mm-hmm. ownership of roles in my life mm-hmm. and making decisions is owning that. In other words, me having control over it. Um, but that's different, I think, than maybe what we're talking about. Or is it? You know, it depends on how you define control. Like mm-hmm. you can if you're taking certain ownership, ter- certain actions, making certain decisions, you know, obviously there is a sense of control in that. I mean, not only it, obviously just the freedom that you have to make those decisions is great in the first place. But in terms of the outcomes, I think that, I mean, the the, uh. the control that I'm talking about is really just this idea of that there are constant, there are constant, there are so many variables that can affect uh, or completely override what decisions we do make. So, I mean, control, like anything, really just comes down to how we define it. But I think the way that people struggle with it and the way that, like, I'm talking about is this idea that, like, we can make our lives what we want them to be. Uh, but realistically, that is that's that's impossible, you know, because there are so many things that will happen to us. Again, the decisions we make, the steps we take, like you're talking about, are super useful. They can help. They can create great successes. Obviously, you know, people have a lot of what we have is due to what, you know, efforts we've put out. But a lot of what we have also is is due to completely, you know, things that happen completely by chance. And it is funny that a lot of people in, you know, when reflecting on on how their lives went or are going, a lot of the greatest things are things that happened completely by accident, um, for better or worse. So I think that, yes, there is definitely some control that we have and the fact that we are able to steer that we are able to steer our decisions, you know, within reason. Um, but there are also so many things that will affect the way we make those decisions. So it's, it's, it's like an impossibly deep question, uh, to really get to the bottom of. 
Sure. Well, it's interesting that you say the word steer, because as you were talking, it kind of hit me. I I feel like this is maybe a good metaphor to describe what we're talking about here or the differences between them. Whereas, uh, so for example, steering, uh, yeah. I'm in a car and yeah. I have my hands on the wheel and I'm moving down the road and people would say, I am in control of the car. But mm-hmm. I think that's a flawed way of thinking about that. In, instead, <laughs> I am influencing the direction of the car. I'm influencing the way the car goes and speed yeah. and, and all of that. But there are so many other things outside my control, whether it comes to mm-hmm. icy roads or rain or other drivers that I mm-hmm. cannot control that will affect the way that the car you know moves through the world. And so I can influence. I can choose i can influence but in the end it's still not totally up to me the way the car behaves is that kind of does that jive with what you're thinking unquestionably that is a really good example yes and you know car like you know the way that people get all angry in traffic i mean it's it's like an extra applicable example for my money Mm -hmm. uh yeah, you know, it, it, it's a it's a great example. People are, uh, yeah, it's you know, you think about any time you're driving. You know, yes, there's a million different things that can happen to you, like you said. Not, you know, not to mention the car itself having an issue. Um, but you know, still, people will try to like, God, I have to make it there in ten minutes. I'm gonna go fast. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna work around all these obstacles to get to where I want to go. And whether or not they make it there is up to a lot of things. And a lot of times they will make it there. Uh, but there are there might be times when they won't, whether it's whether they arrive late or whether they don't arrive at all. So, yes, the car example uh, is, is, is a very that was very, a very good analogy. Good work, Eric. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than three 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting 
rewarding checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond. So looking through that lens, then I can see uh, the perspective of people who, you know, maybe they're not thinking of it this way uh, Mm. about their life or other people's lives uh, the way that I was just describing. They're thinking of it maybe more in terms of. I get in the car and now the car is me. It's an extension of me and I am in complete control. And no matter what's out there, like I can bowl people over, I can go through things like, but they treat, they treat it that way as if they themselves are that way, like in life, like they, they are demanding. They are, they, in other words, they are asserting dominance and control no matter what, which we're not, we're not saying be, be weak willed. We're not saying don't, um, have desires but yeah. i think what we're saying is that asserting control is sometimes a, a futile or a flawed idea or process or uh, idea mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's there there are simply too many variables that we can't conceive of let alone the ones that we can conceive of because and because there are too many moving pieces in our outer worlds and since our outer world is constantly altering who we are um you know, our, our inner worlds are as well. Uh, all people change, you know, including ourselves. So the, this classic belief that, of having control, which, again, tends to pertain more to our environment itself rather than how we look at it, uh, is, is never going to succeed in a long-lasting manner. And I'd argue that the longer control does succeed, so again, like the, the more times you get to your destination in 10 minutes after bowling people over, uh, the longer we feel we are in control, we simultaneously start to lose a sense of control because of how much there is to lose. You know, it takes more and more upkeep to maintain things, uh, which is stressful and we can become weaker and weaker in the face of this, uh, this adversity. And we kind of become like a house of cards, just trying to maintain the control that we've established in the past. Mm. Uh, so again, it's this, if we get, if we get attached to the things that we end up having control over, uh, which is easy to do when we have, when we start to believe or have more faith in the fact that we do indeed have control over them, uh, when we get attached to that and those things are kind of, you know, we rely on them. That's, that's when we have a problem. This makes me think of, I'm sure you've heard of this. It's like a really trite kind of a like serenity prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, um, I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. It's, you know, God grant me the serenity to, uh, you've heard this, right? I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with it off the top (laughs) of my head, but it's like, uh, help me know the things I can't change and the things that I can. And then the, the, the wisdom to know the difference between those two. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It makes me think this all makes me think of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there are, th- I, and, and so I guess that's my, my, the way I'm walking through this is again, I used the word influence earlier. Um, you know, we, we have certain amounts of influence. It varies yeah. from thing to thing and, you know, in percentages and degrees of how much, uh, but I think what, like what you were saying, we get attached to thinking we have 100% influence or control 
over things. And then it's really then when the outcomes don't line up that we, we have issues. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, you're absolutely right. Um, because all of a sudden the control that we thought we had is in question and, you know, it sort of depends on the person, uh, you know, as to where they go from there. Do they, see this and do they start to allow a lack of of control and be accepting of these things, which is a healthier response? Or do they say, no, everything else is flawed. And because I always have control, I still have control right now. And things need to continue to morph around to, you know, apply to uh, or to, to work alongside how I want them to be rather than am I the one that needs to make change? And am I the one that needs to assimilate to uh, this lack of control that sort of presented itself? So, so yeah, it, it's the, you know, it, once people are arrive at an outcome that is not what they desired, the way they interpret that can completely alter their relationship with control, at least within that, that, uh, that lens over time. And, you know, it kind of, it, it sort of goes back to what I just said a moment ago about how there's like, there's like this idea of control that exists within our environment like if the environment is what we set it to be then i'm in control versus this idea of like you know mindset around control you know and if i'm in control it's because i'm allowing things to um you know i'm allowing things to happen so i have a healthy mindset over control again and i'm willing to assimilate versus no if the environment is right then it's right if it's wrong it's wrong and it needs to become right I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, and that actually makes me think of like, we've got a couple of different choices, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in, in our perspective when yeah. it comes to this, like there's obviously, you know, and, and I'm going to save this one for last. There's what's the healthy way to, um, assert control. But mm-hmm. prior to that, there's, I think two unhealthy ways to go about it. One is to think we have no control at all. Yeah. And then the other is to think we have control over everything. And so why are those first two choices flawed choices? So thinking we have complete control is obviously a problem uh, because we just don't, um, you know, unless we're willing to, you know, obviously maybe we have, we think we have complete control at some points. And when, you know, the, the truth uh, reveals itself, if we're able to, again, respond to that in kind and then adjust into, again, maybe healthy ways to assert control, that's a good thing. Uh, but if, you know, if we have, if we think we have complete control, obviously it's a problem because that can lead to, it can lead to lack of empathy. Maybe, um, you know, it can lead to again, lack of flexibility, which is probably the biggest problem. Uh, so yeah, we obviously don't want to think we have complete control because then everything in our life, there's just, everything is a pawn in our life. You know what I mean? And we sort of create this, this level of unhealthy narcissism, uh, so we obviously don't want to have too much control. That's a problem. It leads to extreme amounts of expectation, which is like probably the biggest villain in all of our lives is like too much expectation. Um, so, yeah, getting attached to those expectations and having them not come true is, is a, it's kind of the source of all pain. Um, then if we think we have no control, eh, I mean, you could spin a healthy idea on this. I mean, this like ultimate, this idea, yeah, like this ultimate surrender and constant be constant willingness to ride the wave of life is a nice thing. Uh, 
at the same time, though, yeah, if you think you have no control, then why ever do anything? You yeah, know, that's why ever inactive but, or passive? You know, you never decide to do anything. So, and exactly. that's a slippery slope to to go down that direction for sure. It absolutely is, and it's just like you said earlier in the conversation about the the beliefs and the decisions and the ownership. Uh, that you can take in, you know, in, in any given matter. So those things are great. You know, obviously, yeah, if if we don't think we have any control, there's there's no belief in anything. And if there's no belief and no hope, then there's then then you kind of have a problem. You know, one of the one of the like hidden causes of depression uh, is like this this lack of a secure future, you know. So, you know, if you think back to like, it's kind of clear, like if something really good happens in your outer world, if you get a new job or something, all of a sudden there's hope for the future, then you're excited. It's when the future is constantly uncertain uh, that we start to have a, you know, that there's more questions, uh, more dark questions kind of lurking around in our minds. Um, And that can happen if you feel you have no control over everything, because it's like, where, what happens in my future? Where does my future lie? Like, can I do anything and not, you know, with uh, without any autonomy? Like we need autonomy as well. We need progress. Like, so it kind of depends on how you interpret it. Again, like the uh, the spiritual leaders I, I uh, alluded to earlier in the conversation, I think enjoy this like type of surrender if they're able to like really live presently. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I can't even speak to that cause I can't do it. But you know, for the other 99.9999% of us, uh, this idea of having no control whatsoever is, uh, is no good. Actually, you know, I take that back because the spiritual leaders, I think they have, they feel a sense of control over their minds. You know what I mean? They, they feel a sense of peace with the fact that they don't have control. So they're able to control their thoughts about lack of control. So there's always, yes, that's, but, yeah, yeah. Great, great observation there. I hadn't thought about yeah. that, but that, that definitely uh, rings true. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah. So, and, 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 and honestly, that's one of the few things I think then we kind of can control is mm. ourselves when it, and, and I'm not saying this is easy by any means. Yeah. Uh, and, and none of, none of actually any of the things that we can control usually involves it being an easy ability to control, but oh, yeah. just the, the whole, uh, it's, it's almost, uh, what's the, it's, uh, it's almost an oxymoron, although there's a better term for it when it comes to this. Um, when it, it feel in uh, almost, and almost uh, hypocritical in a way for, like you said, somebody to say, well, I have no control over my thoughts, but I have control over accepting that thought. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's you're, you're right. It takes a lot of work to get to that place, though. And it really depends, again, on like certain people's traumas and every like it that like that's the goal. Right. That's that would be a wonderful thing. But, you know, it's, it's like I said before, like given certain histories or even genetics, uh, it, people will have varying degrees of difficulty in, in getting to that and getting to that uh, lifestyle. And I wouldn't say that it's even though those degrees are varying, I don't think any of them are easy for anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and so all of this then comes into play, obviously, you know, when it comes to productivity, mm-hmm. knowing uh, or, or approaching uh, you know, the things that we have to do and the things that we want to do and deciding when to do things and the why behind the things that we do and, and yes. how we get comfortable with, you know, again, that middle ground of 
there are some things I can control. There are some things I can't control or, 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 you know, and, and again, the varying degree of perceptiveness on what you can or can't control, um, and how healthy you are about it again, not slipping into passivity and procrastination, um, but also the other end of it where you're, um, micromanaging the entire world around you. Right. Right. So any, any idea there as to how we, uh, can get better at walking that line, (laughs) I guess, or deciding, you know, again, when and when not to believe and, or do when it comes to asserting control. I think it goes back to like these, this idea that, we all have our preferences. I, I think you mentioned that before. Like everybody it's, it, we, we need to have desires. It's impossible to like have, it's impossible to not have our preferences as to how we want anything in life to work out or life itself. So I think that the healthy medium is just this idea of, again, not having too much attachment, acknowledging the fact that like, you know, I would like to have this thing. I would like to make this dream come true, but also being cognizant enough and having the perspective to say, but this one thing is not what my happiness will rely on. Mm. You know, that's where like life balance comes in, you know? So if you're able to say, yes, this is what I would like in my life, but I can still find happiness if it doesn't come to me. Um, You know, now the other, yeah, somebody feels they have, if they don't want to commit to something like that, they just won't have dreams at all. It'd be like, Oh, you know, dreams don't happen. So I don't have any of them. You know, it's like, a kind of like sad and senseless defense mechanism, obviously like trying to stifle your own desires just so you can like avoid the pain of not having them come true is very unhealthy as well. You know, you know, so like there needs to be this kind of preparation for failure. There needs to be this, uh, this acknowledgement that we might not have control. You know, there needs to be this acknowledgement of chance and it's just, you know, it's not healthy or unhealthy. It's it's just it's reality. So if we can no, it's probably healthy. Uh, so if we can, ex- again, like say this is what I want and be willing to be vulnerable like that with ourselves, but also realize that this one thing does not it's not who we are just because who we want it. It's not who we are. Therefore, if it doesn't come true, you know, we don't come true. If it doesn't come true, there are other parts of my life that I can create value from. Um, So, yeah, I think control is kind of putting all of your eggs in one basket in some ways. Uh, And when it comes to, like, the preferences of life and having a healthy relationship with them, it is, again, using all of the other things in your life that are wonderful, uh, including your own perspective and mindset to say that my reliance my, or my happiness, my self-worth does not rely entirely on any one thing. Mm. Yeah. And it seems like that's, again, that goes back to that exercising of the, the one thing that you kind of can control is your reaction to what, outcomes happen regardless of how you (laughs) influence them or not. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. And again, that's why you can sort of take steps, take initiative, make decisions, take ownership, like you said before. And therefore, you know, you you know, you can do the best that you can with it, but you know, people just have to be prepared for the fact that their best efforts can go unanswered sometimes. And being aware of that from the get go and not having this illusion 
of control that, you know, you are entirely, you know, you are entirely in control of your life and its outcomes. Like if you can release that from the get go, it's a really healthy thing, which is why a lot of like, you know, I, I tend to have like a different stance on a lot of things than many of my other, uh, you know, fellow self-help workers, if you will. Uh, there's like a constant push of like, you know, you can make anything you want come true. It's just like, it's not healthy. You know, it's not healthy to not acknowledge life's uh, ups and downs, if you, you know, and, you, you know, you can have your mindset, you can constantly work on that and sharpen that, as you alluded to. Um, but, yeah, this idea of really just putting all your eggs in one basket and believing that you have complete control over everything, uh, it's certainly on the outside, is, is very unhealthy, um, at least, at least in my opinion and, you know, anyone who disagrees. fine. Well, and I think here's a great landing point for this discussion is that ultimately in the end, ownership is not necessarily asserting control. It's owning, no. it, it's owning that after whatever you did or did not do, you accept what happened and then you're still in ownership of the next decision moving forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like what you said earlier at the very beginning about like ownership and responsibility, these are very different things than control. They're mm -hmm. really healthy things. You know, you can take ownership and responsibility over literally everything in your life, things that have absolutely nothing to do with you. Um, but you know, you can if they're if they're presented to you, like if you you know, if you're just walking by a house on some evening stroll and you see a baby outside of somebody's door, like that, you know what that that's something that is now in your lens and you have to be responsible over what you know whatever decision you make it doesn't matter if you put the baby there it doesn't matter if you conceive the baby that baby's there and it's it's you know it's important to take ownership over how you handle that but again you didn't choose for that baby to be there in the first place thus you didn't have control over its presence you have control over with over what you do next and yeah i mean that is you know, that, I think that kind of mindset creates hope for people in the future. And, you know, a lot of people that fall into negative thinking patterns, I think, are apt to having one like negative event define much more of their lives than it deserves to. Mm, yeah. Um, but if you're able to acknowledge that I can take, you know, this is in the past, I can take responsibility and ownership over things going forward. Like there are many more events that make up my life that also determine, you know, that also deserve my attention. It's in those moments that I think in those decisions that people are able to move on from certain things in a, in a healthy way. So yeah, ownership and responsibility are very healthy things. And it's funny that like, I guess maybe it's more common when you're younger, but a lot of people sort of like shy away from those things because they sound stressful. Like all of a sudden I'm like responsible. I don't want this. But, you know, the more uh, responsibility we take over things, uh, the better life can be because, you know, it just comes with more more presence, more, um, you know, and, and more more willingness to to kind of put yourself on the line and be vulnerable and and get hurt and also give. So, yeah, I mean, responsibility is an absolutely wonderful thing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Well, I was glad to have this conversation with you because this has turned out to almost be like a, a brief sit in on a, a philosophy class in some yeah. ways, you know, <laughs> which is great. I love it. I love it a lot, actually. And it really does tie right into productivity. It has a lot to do with the macro level stuff, but then it drills right down into the practical level of mm. 
once you have a proper perspective on this, which is going to vary from person to person, it then informs the decisions you make, like I said earlier, about what your next steps are, what you decide to be involved with, how you react or respond even mm-hmm. instead of just react, you you thoughtfully respond yeah. as life happens around you and you make responsible and owner ownering. That's not a word, but it is now uh, <laughs> proper ownership decisions uh, throughout your life. It is funny, but everything that you kind of have, everything that's happened thus far has completely vanished and is not, you know, not something that can come back, uh, you know, like even just the beginning of this conversation. So, you know, you have no choice but to start taking ownership of things going forward. And uh, yeah, you know, that can be hard for people, of course, but um, it, it, you know, it is just the reality of things constantly moving on. Um, and, you know, the, the moment that you're living in right now being the only moment, moment you'll ever know, obviously this is kind of repeated. People have heard it before, mm-hmm. uh, but it is true. And I think reminding ourselves of that and, um, you know, taking, you know, maybe uh, taking certain steps to become to sort of live more in that mindset is a really healthy way of of helping people to move past certain things. Because you know, it's, again, the past tends to determine so much of like what we deem as a threat or whatever. But ultimately, you know, the mindset required to break the chains of certain past events is to understand the nuance and everything, and to understand that like. This thing, even though it reminds me of something terrible in the past, has its own identity, which and I can approach it in a new way. I can, you know, take ownership of it of it in a new way. So, yeah, I mean, all, all these things really, really tie together at the end of the day. Well, you know, if people want to continue to go down this thread or in this vein of, of conversation, uh, obviously, this isn't the only thing you talk about. But uh, where would you direct them over to your site? Yeah, yeah. My site is, is gregaudino.com, G-R-E-G-A-U-D-I-N-O. Uh, yeah, there, I, every every video that I make and or article is about something different. You know, there's conversations that end up being more philosophical like this. Uh, but there's also plenty of stuff on um, on relationships. There's there's goal setting. You know, there's uh, there's loneliness. There's anxiety. You know, I try to my the the what I try to do on the website is find a new way of looking at each thing. Um, you know, I have videos called the problem with chasing your dreams, uh, stop rooting against evil. Uh, you don't want world peace. Do you? That's a fun one. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, stuff on there that I, I, I really enjoy writing and I think it's pretty unique. So yeah, that, that would probably be the, the place to go for sure. Perfect. Well, if, if people are busy uh, moving through life without being able to get in front of a computer or a phone while their hands aren't free, I'll link mm. that up in the show notes so they can find it. And Greg, totally. great talking with you. Great conversation. Really made me think a bit more uh, than I thought I was going to. And that's not, not underestimating. That's just like, you know what? I didn't think about how deep this was going to go uh, <laughs> drilling into, you know, just my thought process. So thanks for making me think. Yeah, my pleasure. Don't think, uh, don't think too hard. Get you into trouble. That's what's <laughs> happened to me many times. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being here. All right. Yeah, my pleasure. Eric. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you found this conversation with Greg Audino calming and clarifying, like I said in the intro. And if you did, I would love it if you would do me the favor of sharing this episode with somebody that you know needs to hear it. You can do that by hitting the share button wherever you're listening to this right now. If it's on your phone, on your desktop, just hit that share button on your podcast player app of choice. Or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.